Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 167. I'm Felice Matthew, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to build a strong relationship in your marriage is key, and one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. Poor communication in marriage. That's easily the number one problem. I know a lot of people say money and unfaithfulness or disrespect and or romance. And yeah, those are factors, but guess what? Usually it's how you're talking about that. It's your lack of understanding revolving around that. And how do you bridge those understandings? Communication. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Felice Matthew about his journey to focusing on helping make strong marriages. I also asked Felice about his faith journey as well, and Felice also shares with you the number one reason that marriages fail and what you can do about it. One area that a lot of folks need some help with is around the area of productivity. Getting not just more things done, but actually getting the right things done can be really tough. I've got a course called Productivity for Your Passion that's designed to help you do this and then to hold you accountable and walk with you so that you can tailor productivity not just to be getting more done, but actually getting the right things done. What's more, we take the approach of looking at your personality and how you actually look at things in the world and tailor the productivity system to your personality. Because the truth is, a lot of the systems that are out there are written really well for somebody with a particular personality type. But if you have a different approach to things, they just don't work. But there's tools and techniques and approaches that you can take that will work for anyone. And we help you do that in productivity for your passion. Check it out over at inspiredstewardship.com slash launch. Felice is doing his part to work to keep whole families whole. As an orphan himself at the age of 13, he wants to help spouses tackle the most difficult challenges in marriages so that those marriages become stronger. He believes that stronger marriages create stronger communities, and we need stronger communities, especially in the black community. He's the author of A Christian Marriage Guide, and his journey from being angry with God to having a deep faith is an integral part of that journey. Welcome to the show, Felice. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So would you talk to us a little bit about how your journey has brought you to the point of working on and helping to make stronger marriages? We talked a little bit in the intro about how that's your message, but why is that the area you've chosen to work on? I believe it's my purpose. Honestly, it's my purpose. And a little backstory, my mother died of HIV when I was 12, for a year and a half leading up to her death, I saw her dying in front of me. 
And I remember praying to God, oh, I promise I won't touch girls' butts if you just <laughs> save my mother. That was a real prayer, right? She died anyway. And then I had her turning away from God. I never knew my real father. My stepfather, he was murdered in Haiti a few months after my mother died. And then that leaves the only other blood relative that I knew was my granduncle. And my granduncle died a few months after that of diabetes. So by age 13, I was an orphan. So now there's two ways. As I'm going through counseling school, there's a, lot, a whole lot of introspective work that you have to do. And there's two ways that, that could have went that I'm learning now. Either I would have had a, a hard time forming relationships, right? Commitment issues and forming relationships or bonds in any way. I'll just turn away or I would become obsessed with it. I became obsessed with relationships. I was the kid reading men are from Mars and women are from Venus, like a teenage kid reading that. That's just not common. And I was watching these movies and I was interviewing people, basically the same thing that I do now on social media. I was doing it. Why? Because I had a strong, intense desire, right? That never perished to this day to have a marriage to not only have a marriage, but to keep a marriage because I wanted to have six kids. I wanted a, a basketball starting lineup. That's originally <laughs> what I wanted. Side note, everybody, that's probably not what you want to lead with looking for a girlfriend <laughs> when you're younger. Hey, I don't want a girlfriend. I don't want a wife with six kids. Spoiler yeah, probably alert. It's the second date before you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I didn't have many girlfriends. But anyways, so I wanted a marriage. I wanted a marriage at last, and I wanted that to be the environment that my children would grow up in, especially since I didn't grow up with that, and especially since I lived in a community where a lot of other kids didn't grow up with that, and I seen the effects of it. So I really did a lot of research and questions, and I was writing notebook, like questions on notebooks in middle school and high school and even college and having people fill out these surveys, I guess, personal data. And I made all these observations, and that's eventually led me to do spoken word poetry. I just took my observations and I put it into poetry. Like, I see men that want to be men, but these men are just want to be men that pretend to be men. So please, men, at ease, men. Being a man doesn't consist of consistent plans of deceiving women and releasing semen. I see men that get chills from children. Instead of instilling the skills of wisdom in them, they let paper bills raise them. They support their child through child support and think, yo, that's really how you raise them and expect children to praise them. Being a father is just a phrase to them. They're like, eh, why bother? It's just a phase to them. And this predicament, I predict, men, that dollars don't make sense, men, since it's just senseless. I see women who woo men, try to rule men, meet a Tarzan man and try to tame him, rearrange him. See, their aim is to change him. Change them like colors on leaves when those trees go through seasons. But see, men, once we change men, that's when we become lame to them. Fellas wonder why the truth is underlined. It's a shame, but it's no lie. It's just a game to them. So I took all these observations of and all this passion, and that's what led to the poetry. And ironically, I was the one who wasn't really in relationships, but I was the go-to guy for relationships <laughs> advice. Mm -hmm. And that's really what how I got into being obsessed with stronger, creating stronger marriages. And now I'm pursuing that not only spiritually or personally, but academically by becoming a marriage and family license. I'm in grad school right now. I become a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that 
formative experience you had in your youth with becoming an orphan and going through that. How was your faith journey during that experience? And now looking back on it as an adult, how did that intersect with those experiences? When I was younger, I wanted nothing to do with God. There was never a point by the grace of God where I never believed that he exists. By the grace of God, there was never that point. I've always had some type of relationship with him and I always had some type of connection with him. I could tell you stories where the timing of things happening is just God, right? But when my mother died, I turned away. And then when my, my stepfather got murdered, I turned away. Then when my granduncle died, I was, I don't want to hear from God, right? The typical why me, the typical argument that's probably the strongest is uh, if there really is a God, then why so much evil? I was in that camp, the Job, why raising your fist in the air. Why, God? You're questioning someone who created time. Why did, you know, I, that was that. But then I had a best friend, and I still have him to this day, named Matthew. And Matthew would just always talk about God. I would threaten to hang up on the phone when we were on the phone. I would, I don't want to hear it. He would always talk about God. And so he was pivotal in, in that regard. Fast forward, my wife's father is a pastor. And he's the one that led me to Christ. So when I think of he that finds a wife finds a good thing, I know nowadays I think there's a little arrogance by women because now they're thinking that they're the solely the good thing. And women, you are special. I love you. Yes. And I get it. But I think that good thing has more to do than just you. That good thing is a good wife orders your steps or helps God, assist God in ordering your steps. And that's what my wife is to me, even to this day. And so, yeah, that's how I crossed back to that was through my father, father-in-law. Before or after you got married? I found God before I got married. Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't think he was having that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he was having that. But yeah, I found God before. And then I was, then I was baptized a month after my wedding. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, most people listening to it would understand if you started that sentence with you were angry at God at the beginning, because uh, it, I think you have every right to feel that emotion. And people forget sometimes if you read the Bible, you talk about Joe, but even Jeremiah, there, there's plenty of times that people in the Bible are angry with God and lamenting to God too. It's not, it's, that's not a, that's not just a modern experience, I'm afraid. Right. Absolutely. I always just remind people that God is big enough to understand your anger too, because we're made in we're made in God's image, and that includes sometimes that. So right. let's talk a little bit about marriage. This is an area that you've been studying and focused in, and paying attention to for basically your whole life, or at least as your teen years. What, from your observations, what do you see as the number one problem facing marriages today? Oh, it's without a question: poor communication in marriage. It's not even close. It's not even close. And so much so I challenge people to do their own personal survey. Ask 20 people, what do you think the most difficult aspect is in a relationship or in a marriage? And give them like five choices, right? Just to help them narrow their mindsets because the answer could be anything, right? So I would say without question, it'd be poor communication in marriage. That's easily the number one problem. And I know a lot of people say money and unfaithfulness or disrespect and or romance. And 
yeah, those are factors. But guess what? Usually it's how you're talking about that. It's your lack of understanding revolving around that. And how do you bridge those understandings? Communication. And I even challenge the audience, right? If you're listening to this, I have a challenge for you. Ask 20 people what the number one issue is in a relationship, whether it's past or present, whether the relationship is just boyfriend, girlfriend, or marriage, and give them a list. And the only reason I want to give a list is to just kind of help them focus on what the question is asking. Say money between poor money management skills, lack of fulfillment sexually or romantically, spiritual problems, support, disrespect, and say a poor communication. And look at what the data shows. I'm, I have rarely seen someone not say poor communication. And if they don't, if they say other the other areas, my follow-up question is usually, okay, is finances really the problem or is it how you communicate about the finances? Is it the understanding or what's not being understood about the finances? They say, yeah, well, it is a communication about it. And it's, yeah, it's not close. It's not close at all. I actually coach a lot of couples on money because that's one of the areas that I coach in. And I'll tell you to back you up a little bit more. What we usually discover is money is the symptom, not the problem. And you're right. More often than not, the bigger problem is not just communication, though it results even in communication, but that idea of aligning what are our priorities? What are our values? Where are we going? And all of that revolves around, can you actually talk to each other and get on the same page and understand each other? Because you have different families of origin, you have different histories, you have different, we grew up different. And I always point out to people, and let me see if you would agree with this. If there's two of you in the relationship and y'all actually act and think 100% the same, then in some ways, one of you is not needed. Actually, want to celebrate the difference as opposed to be angry about the difference, and yet more often than not, we're angry about it. <laughs> yes, and that gets so deep that could have its own show. <laughs> I really want to remember that for after this show. I want to talk to you about that. So, what then? If communication is that big problem, what then is the solution? Selflessness. You know what? That, that is like a bridge from what we just talked about. So, your audience is in for a treat. So you get to peek on uh, what we could have talked about after the show. But remember how you just said how bridging those, basically in my own words, is bridging those differences, accepting those differences. How do you accept those differences? What's one way? Selflessness. And what do I mean by that? That can go everywhere, right? What exactly do I mean by that in this context? Keep in mind that yourself is now divinely intertwined with another self. So now you have to think about all the things in your marriage that matters to y'all has to be both of y'all getting fairly and respectfully heard and compromised with. It has to work like that. If not, it does create a the other side of selflessness, which is selfishness and almost good 80 to 90 percent of the time. The core problem of people communicating effectively in marriage, fairly and respectfully, is selfishness. Because I'm thinking about my view primarily, and here's why it's more important than yours. Here's why I should have it. Here's, here's why, why right. yours makes no <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. So you got to bridge those worlds. No longer two, but one flesh is a very deep verse.
to me. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked at how many people don't see it because I'm like, am I just am I looking too much into this? But yeah, every time I hear someone say it in other words, I'm like, but so what you mean is no longer two, but one flesh is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel heard. I don't feel understood. Oh, he don't listen to me or she only focuses on her. What about me? Happy wife, happy life is selfish, which it is. Right. But yes, selflessness is definitely start showing that course. So what then can people do about it? You've talked about selfishness, selflessness. How do people move in that direction when they're having conflicts around communication? What are some tips? Pick a topic. Give me a topic. Money, just because that's one that I hear a lot. All right. So two people are sitting together, husband and wife, sitting in a room undistracted. Each of you have a blank sheet of paper and something to write with. The topic is money. You put money on the top of the line, both of you. And then what do you envision? How do you feel money managers to be from how you spend it daily to how you want to spend it in the future to anything? What you want to get that you need and what you want to get that you just, this is how you view it. This is how you see it. This is how you feel it should go. And the topic is money that's written on the top line, right? Switch papers and try to meet one thing on the line wholly, sincerely, respectfully, unselfishly for each other. It's really not that hard. The hard thing about marriage isn't marriage. It's the imperfect people in marriage. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly imperfect, right? Oh, my God. I can uh, I'm nowhere close to perfect. <laughs> and I will tell you that. Forget asking my wife. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. About the only person who thinks I'm perfect is my dog. And that's just because my dog thinks everybody's perfect as long as you feel right. it. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is there's an exercise that I do with couples whenever we're working on money that actually is each going off separately and answering some specific questions about money and their worldview on money. And then that's exactly what I have them do is switch papers and then look at them. And oftentimes what people are like, we're nowhere close to the same page. We're arguing about money all the time. And then when they look at what the other person wrote, they're like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot here that's in common. It turns out that we've got more in common than we thought. But again, like you said, the problem is we're not talking about it. Before we go on, do you want to tell people what you're thinking about when you said you, you want to have a conversation about something else? Oh, that was similar to that was similar to what I just brought up, but it's those differences. Mm-hmm. Accepting the differences, exception, accepting the fact that you have a strength, they have a weakness, but in their weakness, it may sharpen your strength and vice versa. Different is not always bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Them seeing it a different way or doing things a different way is not always bad. You're not always right. So, yeah, it's accepting those differences without losing your individuality that I think is another key for becoming one flesh so that you are no longer two, but one flesh. So I've got a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests. But before I move to that, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener about the work you do, the any of the material that you've got out or your book. I know you've got a Christian marriage guide we mentioned in the intro. Anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yes, I I tend to ramble a lot, everyone, so forgive me. But before I share all those other things, if you are looking to take action today, I encourage you to really look at selflessness. Think of all the areas in your life, whether it's sex, romance, respect, trust, taking care of the kids, responsibilities, whatever it is, and look at those topics and see 
how many of those topics actually involve how both of you feel about it? Or is it primarily you or is it primarily them? That's really going to set you in the right direction of arguing less in marriage, which my the focus of my basic book is about. A Christian marriage guide promoting unity and preventing arguments in a Christian marriage. So I'm trying to tackle that problem. And if you work on selflessness, that's a huge key to that. And honestly, a lot of people that reach out to me, I give them a free copy of my PDF. I'm a, I do a pretty good job at reaching out to them to see if there's anything I could clarify. Is there anything that they can help out? If you want to reach out to me on Facebook, Married is One, and say that you heard the podcast here, right? And give me a follow at Married is One, and then I'll send you a free copy of my book. And then the coaching comes in to where sometimes you may be someone at the gym that's trying to lose weight but you don't know what machine to do and how often and what intensity, what do you put in your body? How much rest do you get? That's what a coach is for, right? So I'm here to help shorten the time and the arguments and the frustrations that it takes to build these skills and communication. So you could always reach out to me at Facebook at Married As One, give the page a follow. And that's really important to me because I'm trying to build a community that can change communities, especially in the black community. It's bad out here. So one of the questions I like to ask everybody, my brand is inspired stewardship and I run things through that lens of stewardship. And yet I've discovered that's a word that means different things to different people. For you, when you hear the word stewardship, what does that mean to you and what has its impact been on your life? Using what God gave you to serve his body of believers. That's what I think of. And I think of stewardship. Our gifts was not for us. It's for the edifying of the church. So that's what I think of. If you hoard your talents and your gifts, you're not serving the church. If you boast on yourself about your talents and your gifts, you're not serving the church. So when I think of stewardship, whatever it is, everybody has a different function within the body of the church. And I I love that parallel in scripture. I love it so much because people can look at something as simple as a pinky. Right. Oh, I do without a pinky in my life, but then you probably never grip things the same way. Something as simple as that is important. And I think every function in the body of church is important. If you were called to be a paper cup maker, you'd be the best paper cup maker. God called you and empowered you to be. And you serve these events and churches and and concerts and, and volunteer opportunities and charities. You do that. You're called to do a doctor. Great. You're called to be someone who works nine to five for 50 years. Great. That's stability. That's taking care of your family and all these things. So I think of serving, really serving his body. That's what I think of when I think of stewardship and managing that. And I think it comes in many forms. So here's my favorite question, though. A lot of my guests tell me it's not their favorite. So we'll see what you think of it. If I invented this magic machine and I was able to pluck you from the seat where you are today and transport you into the future 100 to 150 years, and through the power of this machine, you were able to look back on your whole life and see all of the connections, all of the ripples, all of the impacts that you've left behind, what impact do you hope you've left on the world? I want to keep more marriages together happily. And honestly, it's keeping people in love or keeping people in a state to where they don't regret the marriage. And that's not really my focus. I know it sounds crazy, but you're going to do a marriage counselor. My focus is thinking of the next generation. 
I'm thinking of the next generation of kids. I'm more concerned with that than if the couples who said I do, than the couples who said I do. I'm more concerned with that because nowadays it's celebrities and social media that, is, that are raising this generation. And you know how they're raising them? They're raising them to no longer believe in a monogamous relationship, a godly inspired relationship. They don't believe in the Bible. Oh, that's just someone who wrote it, right? They don't believe in Jesus. Oh, that he was just some other man that was had some basic teachings. You know, they don't believe in one person, one one man and one woman, because now they're redefining marriage, right? It, it can be anybody, anytime, as long as you love each other. There's none of that belief anymore. So if I look back, I would love to have did my part and partnered with people along the way that are going to create stronger marriages for stronger communities so that the next generation, maybe what the Gen Z generation could have better statistics for marriages that's currently happening. I would love to be known for that and not just known for doing that, but be an example of that in my own marriage too. That's important to me. It starts with me first. If I could do, if I could fulfill that vision with the other generations, but my marriage was horrible, I'd give up all that vision because it starts with me. Right. I want my wife to be happy with me and I want God to be happy with how I'm leading my wife with what I'm teaching. That matters first. But yes, if I could have both of them, I would definitely consider myself blessed in this lifetime, especially since I grew up thinking I had no gift. I, I felt like God just forgot about me. I look around, I see singers, I see artists, I see athletes, two, three, four spark athletes. I see this guy. He could play anything on a keyboard that he hears the very first time. I see artists who can draw something out of thin air. Like I'm watching TV. I say, God, I know I'm a little funny, but I don't think I'm funny enough to be a comedian. So that's not my gift. But then when I think about my story and I think about what I've been through and the passion that it created by me based on what God wanted to perfect in me, I have a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous ability that God has given me that I'm extremely thankful for. I'm extremely thankful for. So now Couple that with the fact that I almost died last year. I am just so passionate and committed to really make God not regret <laughs> giving me this gift. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but yeah, that's the okay. You you can't just let that bomb drop bomb drop in the middle of a, an answer and not expand on it. Almost died <laughs> last year. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, the quick story was I'm ex-military. I'm a veteran. So I get well, my thank checks you for your up. Service. Thank you. I get my checks up check every year. You have to, right? You see your primary mm-hmm. care. Yeah, my checkups are fine. Blood work was fine. Some people say it's, it's a result of COVID vaccine that happened, what I'm going to tell you, but I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, God saved me, right? Because I've been having symptoms. I'm drinking water, but I'm using the restroom like an infant. I'm losing weight. I lost about 20 pounds. I'm not really that hungry. Yeah, I always feel thirsty. And uh, during that time, I was stressing because I was trying to create, I was trying to complete a bachelor's degree within a year. But during this COVID thing, I was really trying to put myself to work because I'm trying to, my wife has medical issues and she's pregnant, the finances. I'm really just trying to take the mantle. This, at this point, I had a long struggle with the, with the recovering from the military with injuries. And this is the point where I'm supposed to take the lead. And so stressful. So I just thought it was just that that's making me lose weight and all this stuff. Right. So I'm driving one day 
And something tells me to call a friend of mine from the military. He's a good friend. We don't talk often, right? Something tells me to call him. Like, why? I don't, I'm driving a two-hour trip. You know, I don't want to call him. No, you should call him. So I call him. We talk for about an hour and a half, an hour into the conversation. For like one minute, I say, I tell him the symptoms that I've been going through. Then we change the subject, get off the phone. He calls me back immediately. He says, hey, my girlfriend's a nurse, and it sounds like you're pre-diabetic, and it's pretty serious right now. Given the symptoms, you should go to the emergency room. It had already occurred in my mind that I should check it out, but I just, we're men. Ah, ah. Yeah, my wife refers Taylor. to that. My wife refers to that as testosterone poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, <laughs> anyways, I, I listen, right? And I go, and then they have a machine that they test. The machine only goes to six hundred to test the blood sugar. Mine was at six hundred, and the guys, wow, the this only goes up to six hundred. Yours at six hundred. I don't know anything about diabetes. Could be higher than that. Yeah. So I, I said, "What's the normal sugar?" He said. Between 70 and 100 is yeah. your normal blood sugar. Yeah, 100 is already huh. starting to get high. 600 is right. really high. So doctors immediately come out. They take the blood work. They bring me in the back. She asked me if I had history of diabetes. Do I know? I said, no, I don't know anything about that. I, they would have told me at the VA, this and that. And uh, they get back there. They do the blood work and everything. My sugar level was 1,000. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. She said to me, her exact words, I don't know how you're not in a coma right now. I have no idea. People usually get in a coma around six, seven hundred. She said, I have no idea why you're in a coma. So, yeah, that that shook up my world. That messed with my wife while she was pregnant and mm-hmm. she was preeclampsia. It was it really rededicated me, especially since I'm in my 30s now. And most of my life, I didn't really feel led or motivated to do anything. I was still finding myself. So now I'm, my wife would say a little too focused because now I don't want to have fun. (laughs) Fun is for lazy people. I've just been inspired. But yeah, that's what happened. And Mm. thanks for asking that. I'm glad that you are, and you're doing better now though. So that the, yes, sir. I don't want the, I don't want the listeners to hear that and then go, and is he okay? (laughs) Yeah, you're okay. I'm better now. I just. As a Haitian American, I have to give up rice for breakfast, dinner, and lunch, and snacks. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing better now. But watching your diet, now. you get to yeah. do that. Yeah. But yeah. 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 When you were describing the symptoms, I was actually wondering if it was pre diabetic, but didn't want to jump to the end of the story. But that it, I, I have a little bit of a little bit of knowledge in some of those areas from family and friends that have had right. that. So so what's coming next for you? What as you continue on this journey, what's on the roadmap for you? I'm really, I'm always trying to figure out how I can serve my audience better. And now I've really taken up, I guess, a campaign to really get on as much podcasts as I can and just share my story, share how I can help and make myself available. So that's really what I've been focused on towards the end of the year. So you can find out more about Felice by following him on Facebook as Marriages One or on Twitter as Felice Matthew. That's F-E-L-I-C-E-M-A-T-H-I-E-U. Of course, I'll have links to those over in the show notes. Or most importantly, you can find out more about him, his coaching, and his book over at marriagesharing.com. Felice, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Oh, yes. It's actually married as one, not marriage as one. Oh, I'm but uh, I'm sure you have the right link. Yeah, I'm just sure you stop. have the right link. I'm going to do it again. Okay. 
I deleted it earlier and put it back and I probably just put it back wrong. So hang on. You can find out more about Felice by following him on Facebook as married as one or on Twitter as Felice Matthew. That's spelled F-E-L-I-C-E-M-A-T-H-I-E-U. Of course, I have links to those over in the show notes. Or more importantly, find out more about him and his coaching and the book that he has over at marriagesharing.com. Felice, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, I would just say uh, start applying selflessness. Really start applying selflessness. Really start forming habits around what how the other person feels something should go. And if two people are doing that, I think that's what... God has as his plan for marriage versus two people trying to figure out how they can get what they want from other people. So really start applying that. And if you need help, right, don't just hope things will change for the better. Reach out to great resources of people who may have something or know, have a body of knowledge or be called to do something that you may not be called to do. Inspired Stewardship is a great place. I'm here. I'm available. Or I could point you to somewhere that can probably help you better than I can if it's outside of my ballpark. So the point is you don't have to silently suffer hoping for change. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.